0: What a perfect song to follow on from our offering thought. There's only one name in the universe that actually breaks the power of darkness. There's only one way to come into fellowship with God the Father. That's through faith in Jesus the Son. A lot of well-educated and informed 21st century people find that exclusivity of the gospel especially offensive the only problem is that when there's only one key to a door it doesn't matter how offended you get about the fact there's only one key it's the only key that fits the lock it's the only way in you can get upset, you can protest, you can cry foul, you can get your knickers in a knot about that. The bottom line is there's only one way in. You can have the question, you can ask God when you get to heaven, how come Jesus was the only way? Have that conversation then, but at the moment, the Bible's made it pretty clear that's how it is. I don't know about you, but I've probably found myself over the years having lengthy discussions with friends, colleagues, people who don't yet believe about that particular matter. And it's a difficult conversation to navigate because it's not a reasoned position. It's a faith position. It's a, "I believe it position. It's a position built around believing what the Bible says. Anyway, I digress. Let me just pray. You're going to have a seat in a second. Father, we're just so thankful to be here this morning. Thank you that we can raise our voices together in praise. Lord, we can remember as we come together here that some of us can sing and some of us can't. Lord, some of us maybe found singing at home, watching online church was a little bit challenging. Doesn't matter in here, Lord, we can sing to our heart's content because our combined voices, Lord, is a beautiful sacrifice of praise. So I pray your encouragement on every one of us, Lord, if we're self-conscious about how we do. Maybe even self-conscious about how we stand. I pray, Father, today, if we want to get a revelation that you receive us, you love us, you desire us to come into your presence with thanksgiving and praise, and you welcome us with open arms. And so, Lord, open our hearts this morning to hear what this message is got to say to us pray Lord that you would comfort and strengthen every person who is watching online this morning Father right now in their home maybe they have sung and decided that it's not easy to sing at home and Lord I pray right now that having persevered with that right now by your spirit you would visit upon them there would just be a sovereign moment of encounter by the Holy Ghost in lounge rooms at kitchen tables maybe still if you're really lazy still lying in bed father we just pray right now you visit people right where they are including every one of us here in the church this morning in the building in jesus name amen well i would normally say give the person alongside you a hug or a high five or whatever but just socially distance and sit down please god bless you okay guys i think we might are you staying up here again this morning Oh, that's good. I I like the company. That's cool. Well, this is the last Sunday in the month of June, and uh, it's the last Sunday in the series of looking at the seasons of life. And uh, I've actually enjoyed preaching a theme for three weeks in a row, which you're going to hear from somebody else next week. You'll be glad to hear that. Uh, And this is this morning, the last one uh, in this series. And I want to just tie together a few thoughts before I do that. Uh, during our prayer request time before we deliberately didn't include a very specific prayer need within our church family that needs to be talked about this morning and I've just got some, uh, a suggestion for us going forward. Some of you may know but not everybody necessarily does that young Samuel Scott has been in hospital and has had uh, surgery on his brain to remove a tumour or a, a mass from his brain and he had some complications yesterday with regards to pressure in his brain and had to go back into surgery to have that relieved and released. All of that side of his um, medical intervention has been wonderfully successful. Um, there's a lot of good news in that. But he's a five-year-old kid and he's got a long way to go. His mum and dad, Tim and Susan are a great part of our church family. As you can well imagine, um, they're in the midst of an emotional roller coaster ranging from God's got this to absolute terror. Um, Probably like we would imagine, or I can imagine for myself, there'd be moments where we just go through the gamut of where in the heck is God to God's so close to us, and everything in between. And this is the time for church family, no matter how, well, you know them personally is not the point. This is a time where we lift our hands in prayer. This is when we get alongside them and stand in the, in the gap. We intercede for them and ask God to comfort them, for the Holy Spirit to be very near, for Samuel's body to receive the healing that God can give. Uh, the miracle, and it is the miracle, the miracle of 21st century medical Knowledge in this country and the equipment that we've got the surgeons and the skill and the the nursing specialists to look after a little tacker in paediatric intensive care unit is like second to none anywhere in the world if you're going to have that kind of problem in your body you'd want to have it in Australia because uh, we're just remarkably well set up but that doesn't in any way remove from the picture the incredible uncertainty of what lies ahead so Thought about it, we met with our key leaders last night and talked a little bit about this. Um, uh, and the suggestion from Julia and myself is to call us to a month of prayer and fasting for that family and particularly for Samuel to get healed completely. Um, so you can start tomorrow, uh, which is not July, but I'm basically saying let, let's fast and pray for the whole month of July. And you can start with two-day bonus in June, uh, tomorrow and Tuesday. Um, now, let me explain what I mean by fasting. Some of you may have fasted before for small periods of time. I'm talking about probably a partial fast. Uh, fasting's not um, meant to, in any way, shape or form, convey the impression that we're going to manipulate or twist God's arm. It's like it's a more powerful prayer. It's actually, fasting really is a decision to be disciplined to pray and to deny the body, so um, one thing or another. And so we can fast by abstaining from a particular type of food, something that we might like. Different people fast different things, and I don't want to get into the variables that are there. The important thing is that whatever you withhold from your normal routine by fasting is meant to remind you to pray. So that if it is a food thing, obviously, then most of us eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It's like, Um, That could be um, the mechanics for you to remember to pray three times a day for them. And what to pray? Pray for God to heal. Pray for God to be present. Listen out. There'll be some, from time to time, there is information flowing through your Connect Group leaders about it for specific prayer requests. Get on to that. But whatever you do, don't not do it. We invite you to step up with your faith, the faith you have in, in God, to do what God does and pray for Tim and Sue's and little Samuel, and his siblings, uh, Annabelle, um, Jacob, and Noah, the family is completely in upheaval through this kind of trips back and forth to the hospital. There's an incredible uh, coordination of a a meal train already at work supplying them with food, um, and uh, you can get involved with that. So anything practical like that you wanna get involved with, speak to Emma, Um, I think, is that the best? Yeah, that's the shortest route for that at the moment. Um, and as I said, you connect group leaders. If there is appropriate further specific information that needs to be prayed about, we'll let them know, and they'll let you know, and we can join together in prayer. Okay, so let's let me just pray for them right now. Father, we just uh, sit here in our church context this morning, painfully aware of the great need that Samuel Scott has, Lord, for a miracle. <coughs> And we pray, Father, today in Jesus' name that your um, amazing hand of healing would reach into that hospital room. We are so grateful, Lord, for the uh, surgery that he's had and the success that that's been. And Lord, we know that he has got a long way to go. And Father, we pray that 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 little person would find the strength of heaven flowing through his body. Father, that you would come and minister into him. You get dreams and visions, Lord, about the future. Lord, that they be birthed in him this morning. We pray for his parents, for Tim and Sue's, Lord, that your hand would be upon them. Give them courage. Lord, let them know that the days they feel like it's all too hard, that their church family is praying for them and holding them up. And Father, that they would get through this really challenging season um, with an incredible knowledge of your love for them and for their children in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, okay, change of gear. Um, Yes. One of the hardest things in life, I think, is walking with families through crap like that. it so connects directly to what I want to talk to you about this morning, that the seasons of our life are never, ever meant to be viewed in isolation. And by that, I mean, that was that season, this is this season, and this is this season, and they're not connected. There's a cord of connection. You know, the, the phrase unseasonal, so, in the middle of summer, you can get a blast of snow on the Australian Alps. I mean, it's the weirdest thing they talk about. There was snow in Mount Kosciuszko on Christmas Day. If you can look it up, I'm not sure what year that was. Unseasonal. Seasons are things that we recognise by the signs around a season sometimes. Um, but they, they are accompanied by a transition. And by that, I mean, we're in the middle of winter here in Australia at the moment. It was pretty cold out there this morning. Um, Even on my reckoning, like, whatever it was, three degrees, is like, that's chilly. Um, It's not going to be 44 degrees tomorrow, but it will be in six months' time. Yeah, yeah, some of us are happy about that. Um, There's this journey between now June and December, January, February. 2021 where the seasons change from winter through spring into summer and then we go around the mulberry bush again so to speak but they're connected it's it's not sensible even though we have dates where we say in in the southern hemisphere in Australia we say the first of June for example is the first day of winter In the northern hemisphere in Europe they all um, start their dates on the 22nd of the month and so the 22nd of June is the, is the beginning of summer in Europe. Um, and so they don't work by the calendar month as we do. It's like, but it's, they're talking about the same thing. And so when it starts is not the issue. It's the season as kind of the ebb and flow of temperature and water and all that kind of stuff. So I don't personally think it's healthy to view a season as an isolated event. Um and disconnecting ourselves from a historical season is a massive mistake. The current obsession with cancel culture has become a little hashtag. It's such a wonderful thing, the internet and social media. You can have a hashtag that's gonna solve every problem on the planet. Cancel culture. Honestly, what what does that even mean? It's the most ridiculous notion. I have ever heard in my life and before people start throwing stones at someone like me for saying that I am not saying for one moment that I'm proud of everything our culture does and I'm not proud of everything our culture has um, got attached to it historically but to deny that history is foolishness in fact I'd want to back this up with a look at some scripture because I think The biggest mistake the Israelites made in the Old Testament, the number one biggest mistake they made as a nation, as a group of people, was to forget where they came from. Don't you ever forget where you've come from. You might have the most painful story you could tell to do with different chapters and seasons of your upbringing. Or maybe if you were happy to dig back into your family history, you would know there is tragedy, difficulty, barbarism, that it, whatever you want to say. It's just you it could have been a descendant of someone who was a convict brought to Australia. You could have been and could be the descendant of royalty. You could be descendants of whatever. Denying that is folly. Because God's got a purpose and a plan in your seasons. God's got a purpose and a plan for your life. And you've arrived on planet earth as a result of what's gone before. There's a gene pool that's in your blood. It's in every cell in your body that is actually historical. It didn't just get created the day you were conceived. it was passed on from generation to generation to generation. You and I are a living, walking historical being. And to have some well, maybe meaning political movement arise in our time that says it's time to cut that off. I've only got one word for it. it's demonic. It is not the spirit of God, it's the spirit of the Antichrist. It's powerful, it's divisive, it's destructive and it will finish badly if it runs its course. It'd be like a bushfire. Let me read to you from Deuteronomy chapter 8. I hope you, okay, I'm pushing on and treading around some controversial little topics here this morning and I don't want this to, in any way, shape or form to be viewed as a political statement at all because it's not this is a statement about who we are we've got to understand there are powerful forces at work trying to change the course of history at the moment and some of those forces maybe they've got good intent maybe they've got really good intent and, and maybe, just maybe some of the things that are being talked about that need to change do need to change I'm not going to have an argument I'm not arguing the point of that but what I am saying It is absolutely disastrous, absolutely disastrous to want to cut off the thread of history from your life, no matter how complicated it's been. Listen to this, just Deuteronomy chapter 8. People get caught up and say, well, this is the Old Testament law. It says, verse one, be careful to follow every command I'm giving you today. So right there, they go, well, that's just, that's laws, it's, it's got to follow the rules. No, 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 read the chapter. The whole chapter is riddled with this word, remember. Say remember. remember. If you're at home, speak to the television and say remember. Say it loud so the TV sort of goes, yeah, okay, I'm hearing you. Remember. Verse two, Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart. I wonder whether enough of us stop to consider what is the purpose of a really crappy season in our life? 40 years as a nation in the wilderness. Like just get a handle on where he's talking about I I shared years ago, we flew from Dubai to Athens once and our plane flew over uh, Arabia, Saudi Arabia and then across um, the Red Sea and through this part of the world. I don't got to tell you, it's about as barren as the middle of Australia. It's just horrifically, it's just filled with, it's just sand and mountains and nothing else. It's really hostile. They were in it for 40 years. Were they victims? Were they being oppressed? Well, they were. They were slaves in Egypt. And then they were wanderers in the desert for another 40 years, whinging about Moses, you know, you deceived us. We should have stayed where we were. We're happy being slaves. And Moses is now telling these guys on the other end of this story, Remember how the Lord your God led you. I've got to tell you, God's led you right up to this point in your life. He has been leading circumstances. He's been waiting for you and me and the people that we talk to and live with to respond to His love. It's not a very nice thought to read on in verse 3. He humbled you. God's in the business of humbling people. It's very nice to talk about God blesses us and God loves us, and he does, and all the good things that God can give us and put into our well, and he does that. But he's also more interested in your heart and my heart being purged of those little nuggets of self-centeredness that are lodged in there, the little nuggets of pride, little comments like, I can do this myself oh, you should see that work that I just finished. Nothing wrong with being a proud in a positive sense, and not a, I don't mean. In, there's nothing wrong with doing well. There's nothing wrong with being appreciated for doing well, unless there's a sick dimension of pride attached to it in our heart. And so sometimes God's humbling moments. Sometimes the moment when there's nowhere to turn, sometimes when our back is to the wall and our faith in God seems like a useless venture at the best. Is it possible that God's humbling me? Is it possible he's looking for something to be boiled out of my life? Talked about refining gold last week. Is it possible that God's used a humbling season, a season of lack, a season when things have gone badly or gone from bad to worse. let me tell you right now, my, my first response to a tough season is, I complain. and I've learned that complaining about a tough season is probably the very thing that he wants to get out of me. and so I keep having those moments. I keep having the moments where he humbles me and uh, we talked last night at the key leaders meeting we had and talked about what was the predominant feeling uh, during this COVID lockdown. And for me, it was, I actually found myself bored witless. The whole season from February till about now, I've been bored out of my brain. I've been doing all sorts of stuff. I've been doing what I do behind the scenes. i been preaching here on Mondays, pre-recording church. Been doing some stuff at home, and um, been visiting people, been praying, been doing all those things. But at the end of the day, I'd say my predominant feelings boredom. You go, oh, what are you gonna do about that, Bruce? Well, I think I've got to change my tune. Like the moment the, what I'm saying is the constricture, the 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 shift out of normal season to an unusual season has caused me to drill down and say, I'm, I'm actually. I'm not motivated properly. My motives actually need to be rejigged. Because when I think about it, I I should not in the end for one moment be bored about what God's up to. I ought to be going, oh God, God's doing it. It's awesome. How good is God? This is fantastic stuck at home. Maybe you've lost your job or your business has had a mad... A fairly major downturn and turnover, and it's a little precarious for you. It's like, ask yourself, is what's this season about? Because the Bible in this particular chapter is making it very clear that the moments when things are not going well, the season when it's not going well, oftentimes we're meant to be actually looking at what what is God shining His torch of grace. It's not a condemning thing. He's shining his torch of grace and mercy on something that needs to come out of us. goes on down in verse six, observe the commands of the Lord your God, walking in obedience. Again, it sounds like it's all to do with um, following a whole lot of rules. But he goes on in verse 11, be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God. If you've built a successful career, you've studied hard, you've worked hard, i go good on you. Go for it. This is saying, when you've done that, and he goes on to say, when you're living in your comfortable house and you've got more food than you know what to do with, Australia, you've got more resources than you know what to do with, Australia, and Australians, not individuals necessarily, he's saying, don't forget all of that. Every last bit of that favour is the result of my hand. Don't forget where you've come from. Don't, don't forget where you've come from. So I'll we'll move on. Down to verse 19. This is the bit that, kind of the warning of the scripture. If you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and worship and bow down to them. Let me say what other gods are and what worshipping them is. 21st century, not many of us have had to go out and burn our little gold statues and holy things from our house when we got saved. We've had to lay down our life. What does that mean? For us, our God might be the political system of democracy. Our God might be the political system of socialism. Our, political, our, our God might be um, having a social conscience None of those things in and of themselves are gods, but individuals make them gods. A lump of gold's not a god until someone says it is. The Buddhas that you'd find in parts of Asia, when we were in um, Thailand a few years ago, into a, a Buddhist temple, and this massive gold Buddha, I mean, it's just a lump of metal. But somebody has chosen to make it a god. A small g God. If you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and worship and bow down to them, I testify against you today, says the Lord, that you will surely be destroyed. It sounds like, oh, that's a big threat. No, it's actually not a threat. It's actually a consequence. It's a bit like jumping off a cliff. You could say, oh, if you jump off a cliff, you're going to die. You'll be destroyed. More than likely you would because of gravity. Gravity. God's God's not being vindictive with this. He's just stating cause and effect. You go down that road and that's where you'll end up, destroyed, messed up, burning, looting, destroying, anarchy, all that stuff. We don't have to have an angry God destroy us people. We just got to follow other gods and we'll do a great job ourselves. That's why we need us. That's why we need strong local churches filled with people who love God and want to do what He wants us to do so that the broken world we live in, and it's been broken since the Garden of Eden. Don't, don't, don't hear me saying it's worse than it's ever been. It is not. It's just people being people, people being crazy, but the gospel's alive and well, amen? Jesus is still King of kings and Lord of lords. The gospel still is able to penetrate a hardened heart and bust that thing open and someone can find themselves on their knees repenting of their sin that's how the world will be changed one by one people come into Jesus so rather than try to forget this is point number one I've got two points this morning that was all preamble to the two points rather than forget or try to ignore a difficult season seek God for understanding the season that you're in in the story of your life Seek understanding. Does remembering this verse help you here? Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, say all things. This is a fantastic statement. It's a tough one to read when things are going bad. Because it's like, well, how can this possibly be? But it is what it is. It says, and I know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. Let me read that again. And we know that in all things, God works. All things. Think of every circumstance, every chapter of your life up to today. Is it possible for you to reconsider God was at work in every one of those moments? Because he was. Because he loves you. He was because he wants you. In his kingdom, he wants you to be responsible for helping other people to come into his kingdom. And the second point is just to wrap up some thoughts from the Bible-reading plan, reading the book of Job for this last month. Who, who's found that reading Job interesting? Mm, nobody, okay, three people. Well, oh, that's good, four people. If you haven't read the book of Job and you haven't followed the Bible-reading plan, shame on you. Just saying, just... Um, I've got a good place to go when you're feeling ashamed. His name's Jesus. Anyway, um, it's all good hey we need to actually engage with the word of God I've got to tell you that little hashtags on Facebook and other social media platforms that I'm too old to use um, they can stir up a whole bunch of things around the planet but they don't change anything in the way of a human heart they might change some practices maybe they might make the person who wrote it feel good hashtags Um, someone posted something during the the last little while on Facebook that talked about going where you're celebrated and not tolerated I don't think that's in the Bible they're just nice little feel good statements and on their surface there's nothing wrong with them but they're not the truth they're actually quite deceptive because they lead us away from the truth the truth is Jesus said because of me the world will hate you I don't hate you but I don't like the sound of that because of me the world will hate you it's like oh, okay I don't go looking for that but I've got to say there's dimensions of that awkwardness unraveling itself at times anyway I digress read the Bible is what I was trying to say there read your Bible Yes, at home, read your Bible. So the Bible plan we've had for June is why? Uh, looking at the book of Job, and it was, it was the um, title was why, as, as looking at this character, Job, it's the oldest story in the Bible, probably the earliest written chronologically of all the stuff in the Bible, he, he predated, they think that he predated Abraham as far as when in history he might have lived. He was successful, morally upright, hard-working person who lost everything in his life apart from his life he and his friends wrestle with cause and effect we all do have you ever thought of spoken words like these what did I do to deserve this anyone ever said that to themselves I'll just put my hand up give me a wave so I don't feel too lonely for that one what did I do to deserve this good there's a few friends out there this morning or maybe you've said this that's so unfair give me a if you've said or thought that that's so unfair because we have an inbuilt I think a God dimension in us made in his image to desire to find justice (coughs) which is why there's a whole lot of energy applied to protesting and all that stuff, there's, a, there's an element of it, is an outworking of what God's put in us and so Job and his three friends who have come to comfort him have this long, there's a lengthy monologue not monologue, dialogue, it's, it's more than a dialogue, it's, the four of them are yacking away for chapters in the book of Job trying to understand why this has happened And they've come to all sorts of conclusions that are, at the end of the day, found wanting. They they don't actually explain the problem adequately. And eventually in chapter 28, and up to chapter 38, sorry, of the book of Job, God has been silent. We hear about him in the first two chapters, and then there's not a word uttered by God until chapter 38. And this is what God says when he eventually speaks, and he speaks out of a storm of all things. You think, well, if it hasn't been bad enough, Job's got to sit and see God coming out of a storm, not a nice, warm, fluffy moment on the front altar at church or in a quiet prayer closet where, it's just me and Jesus having our time. I heard from God. It's God's voice booming out of a storm. Bruce, you, listen to this, you can say this to myself, who is this that obscures my plans with words without knowledge? Brace yourself, Bruce, like a man, I will question you and you shall answer me. God's not happy, not angry. He's just getting Job to the point, you listen up, mate, mate. You think you've got it all sorted. You, you, you feel like you've got a, a handle on everything and cause and effect. And I've got to tell you, there's something missing. You don't have a clue. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. I mean, where do you go with that? I mean, like, okay, got me there, God. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know, a little bit sarcastic. Who stretched a measuring line across it? Hmm, Bruce, who? On what were its footings set? Or who laid its cornerstone? while the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy God's just pointing out to Job you were nowhere to be seen mate you hadn't even come along the book of Job is a challenging book that helps us to journey along the road of discovering how magnificent our God is The beginning of the story and the tragedy of loss and the dialogue between God and Satan is a very difficult part of scripture to actually get your head around. And I would suggest, if you've read that and it troubled you, to read a lot of Bible commentaries and to reread that scripture of chapters one and two again and again and again to try and get your head around what's going on there. Um, It's not a place where you're supposed to get stuck. What the whole book is explaining is that God has got an eternal purpose for your life and we cannot fathom it. We fathom our life through our seasons. I've been alive for 62 years. God's been around forever. There is no way I can understand what He's up to. I might think I can. And I might think that I get revelation from God, and I do. But I don't really have an eternal perspective that God has me. or for you. But He has. He's got an eternal perspective, and He wants you to live in that eternity with you. So chapter 40, a few chapters on, God's still going off at him. It's a lengthy rebuttal. He says to Job, uh, to Job again, Will the one who contends with the Almighty correct him? Let him accuse us, God answer him. Then Job answered the Lord, I am unworthy. How can I reply to you? I put my hand over my mouth. I spoke once, but I have no answer. Twice, but I will have no more to say. Then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm, Brace yourself like a man, I will question you and you will answer me. Would you discredit my justice? Would you condemn me to justify yourself? There's just this massive contrast of God's incredible perfection compared to even Job was a very upright dude. He was like a, he was a pretty good character. The Bible is being blunt in demonstrating the chasm between God's goodness and our brokenness through sin. And the only thing that can bridge that gap is Jesus Christ, Son of God, who, who is historically to come, in the narrative of the Bible no matter how we try we can never see what God can see but I'll finish with this we can trust God we've quoted many times Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 trust in the Lord with all your heart lean not on your own understanding all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight there's times and seasons where the only thing you can do is trust God I would put it to you with Tim, what we prayed about with Tim and Suze at the beginning of this message this morning. Part of the only thing that I would imagine they can do at the moment is trust God. And he is a good good God. So to conclude this series, we may never reconcile the why questions of a season. That's a pretty... Difficult pill for a human being to swallow but we may never, you may never get the answer to your why question, why did that happen to me? Why did that happen in our family? Why did such and such happen? But that does not mean that God's not present and active in it. Okay, so your unanswered why question does not in any way, shape or form dictate whether God's in it or not. I want to say to you, He is in it and he's got an eternal purpose. How good is that? So every season has a connection to the other seasons. And there are signs in every season. So start looking for them. Started with this series with Ecclesiastes 3 verse 1. There is a time for everything. A season for every activity under heaven. God's got plans for your life why don't we stand to our feet I just want to pray as we come to a close this morning maybe just something that's come out of my mouth or part of the scripture that's been read this morning has had an unexpected effect on you that's the way the Bible works It is the word of God and it does change things remarkably. So let me pray. Father, today I thank you for your word. I thank you for the story of Job. Thank you for the conundrum that it sometimes is for us. I pray, Lord, for anyone who's been unsettled by the story of Job. And every time they read it, it can unsettle us. Pray, Lord, that we would find you really nearby as we wrestle the big questions around our life why whatever that might be pray for anyone this morning either present in this meeting or listening online who really has been disturbed by lack of answer to a why question maybe for a long time that right now freedom would come not in the answer to the question but in the revelation that God, the Father of heaven and earth, is actually with me in my pain. He's actually with me in my discouragement or disillusionment. God is with me in my anger. God's with me in my despair. Father, I pray that every person present would have a fresh sense of your goodness washing over us. Father, that we'd see that your goodness has been flowing through every. Fiber of our season. Just like the gene pool that's within each one of us from our physical heritage. Father, that the river of the Spirit of God will become clear to us in the ebb and flow of life. Lord, that in every season we've lived, can we see and may we see today afresh the incredible hand of God, the Father, on us? Pray for freedom. I pray for joy. I pray for release pray for healing i pray father that right now that you would come and wipe every tear father that there'd be an understanding you were there when every tear was cried and lord there's never been a moment where you've abandoned us there's never been a moment where you've forsaken us your word is true neither will i leave you nor forsake you father today i pray for power to come on every believer every person has put their trust in God here today in Jesus wonderful wonderful name amen I really am looking forward to the day we can say if you want to come down the front for prayer this morning we'll get back to those days it still might be hands-free for a bit but um, once we get past that I'm going to tell you it ain't going to be hands-free um, I don't know when that is but when we get told that that's okay and not breaking the law we'll go there Um, but anyway I digress having said that you are more than welcome to come and stand at the front of our church Uh, we can socially distance appropriately and pray for you if you've got a specific need don't go home carrying that burden please come and one of us would love to pray with you Um, we finish every service in our church with an invitation to come to Christ don't want to ever assume even people that I know really well I don't want to assume that everything's honky-dory with you and Jesus. I want to make sure it is. So you can have been coming to church, you can be in church, you can have been a follower of Jesus and we can all lose our way. So there's two things about this invitation at the end of church every week. One is to suss out whether there's anybody whose heart's been moved for the very first time to respond to God's love and so have a prayer of inviting Jesus into our life for the very first time. But others of us can find that life has cluttered Jesus out of the picture. And I don't just mean going through a bit of a dry season in your time with God. I know I mean you just know that you you are a long way from him. And you can find yourself in church maybe for weeks, months or even years just going through the motions. But you know in your heart I use the word for me bored. Maybe you just feel him dead on the inside. But you used to know him. You used to know what it was like to have the love of God just surging through your body. This prayer is for you as well. Come back to him. Just say, God, I'm sorry, just let the story of Job be an encouragement. God just spoke to him out of a storm and said, mate, listen up. Change your tune. He said, okay. And he did. So let me just lead this prayer. I want everyone to say this after me. Whether you need to say it today for yourself or not, you might be helping somebody who does need to say it to say it with us. And so we say this together at the end of church. There's another version of a prayer on our website if you're online and um, you can read that prayer, say it aloud, and let us know by text message or emailing us that you've prayed that prayer. And we'd love to chase you up and ensure that you start your journey of discipleship with the Lord. So let's pray this prayer. Heavenly Father I thank you that you love me I thank you that you sent Jesus to save me from the power of sin and death he died on a cross he was raised to life and he sent us his spirit to fill us with the kingdom of God. I thank you, Lord, that I can come to you. And I do right now. I confess my sin. I repent, Lord, from the things I've said or thought or done. I receive the forgiveness that Jesus paid for. I thank you that I'm cleansed. And the Bible says, whiter than snow by the blood of Jesus. I declare because of your goodness and your mercy that I am a child of God. Help me, Lord, to live for you for the rest of my days. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give the Lord a clap offering for him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.